0: Thank you for joining us once again. My name is Matt Phillips and you're listening to Run Chat Live, Episode 5. Wow, so we're already up to 5 in terms of the uh, recent uploads. Um, Last week I said Episode 4 was probably one of my favourites, but this in Episode 5 is the burning subject which always entertains me and I believe help uh, a lot of runners out there. So we tackled the subject of stretching. Um, anybody who's worked with me will know that my bias is the belief that runners just obsess too much over stretching, um, kind of as a follow on from episode four on running economy last week, when we run, we need to be tight springs. The word tight is not ugly, um, to get tight, to get tone, to get elastic recoil, we need strength training. Um, so this episode goes very much into that but also shows how stretching can actually delay recovery so it's a big passion of mine Uh, i look forward to any comments you may have because loads of runners love stretching but hopefully after listening to episode five of run chat live you will start questioning why am i stretching these muscles what am i trying to achieve what do i believe will happen is there any research to show that this does happen i look forward to hearing from you so please leave some comments enjoy Okay, here we are, slightly different uh, or same venue, but slightly different format today because I'm going to be showing you some actual um, hands-on practical examples of what we're talking about. So welcome again to Studio 57 Clinic where I, Matt Phillips, aka Sport Injury Matt, um, We'll be uh, continuing these broadcasts and giving you kind of a core of an hour, 20-minute chat about um, things I've thought of during the week or things which people ask about via Instagram or Twitter. So if there is anything you do want me to talk about running related, either running performance or running injury, then feel free to leave a comment after this video. So, um, today um, we are going to talk about, I was asked a couple of weeks ago, um, just to go more into stretching and um, particularly how stretching can actually make things worse when it comes to recovering from pain or injury. So um, that's what we're going to do today. Um, today is more for the runner than the therapist, unless you're a therapist who is not familiar with the potential pitfalls of handing out stretching exercises in all cases. Uh, but I'm going to definitely uh, present it in layman's terms so that runners who after all is who i'm trying to appeal to here and help so that runners uh, can understand hi graham all right so runners can understand um, why stretching might not always be the answer um, to their problems so here we go achilles tendinopathy okay most runners once they've stepped up Um, their uh, duration or frequency enough Um, if they're not careful um, they could find themselves running into painful achilles so for the uninitiated we're talking about the tendon that runs down the back of your ankle um, and connects your calf muscles to your uh, calcaneus to the heel bone hi Raymond how's it going Um, so yeah it's achilles tendinopathy I get so many runners coming here who I've been suffering for it for a long time, and we're talking kind of months. It's turned into the persistent form of the tendinopathy, where it didn't just happen last week. Excuse me, it's happened three, four, five months ago, sometimes a year ago. Very often, it's been on and off for five, six years or more. Okay. Now, not in all cases, but in too many cases, as far as I'm concerned, when I'm taking the case history, the runner will have been given by another therapist, stretching exercises um, for the calf Um, or they will have been given some form of loading exercises which involves stretching the calf or they will have just thought themselves if it hurts I may as well stretch it Um, and Achilles tendinopathy there's two more I'm going to give but Achilles tendinopathy is a fantastic example of how um, depending on what type of tendinopathy you have if you keep trying to stretch it you're not going to recover, or you're going to slow down recovery considerably. So why is this? Well, this is where we need a little bit of anatomy, okay, in layman's terms. So the Achilles tendon, let's scroll back here and have a little look. This is why I'm on the floor here. Shoe coming off. So the Achilles tendon connects the calf muscles down to the heel bone, okay? So as you know, your calf muscles, to use them when you contract the calf muscles, they push the foot into plantar flexion, okay? They lift the heel off the ground. That's what the calf muscles do. To stretch the calf muscles, what we do is we move the knee forwards, okay? That's stretching the calf muscle there. So we increase the angle, or rather decrease the angle uh, in the front here, and that puts a stretch on the calf. Or we can do it by using a block of some form. We put our heel on the floor. Check you can see that. And then we lean forwards and we stretch the calf this way. Okay? So the Achilles is on the end of the calf. So any time you try stretching that calf muscle, what you're doing is you're actually pushing the Achilles against the heel bone. Okay? It's just simple physiology, it's got to happen. Even by just moving my foot down here, I'm starting to stretch on that calf and I'm pushing that Achilles tendon into the heel bone. Okay? If, you, if you do this and put your fingers on it, you can feel as you move down, the heel bone has got nowhere to go apart from into the tendon. Okay? So, stretching the calf will push the tendon, where it attaches the calcaneus, the heel bone, um, into the actual bone. Okay, so, what's the problem with that? well when you get an achilles injury or achilles sensitization there's different types you can get depending on whereabouts on the achilles is affected but one of the types the insertional um, variety um, is actually an irritation of the tendon on the insertion on the actual heel bone now what do we know about tendons they're fantastic bits of kit. They're amazing. They're testimony to how strong the body is. They have an incredible tensile strength. And they can be compressed. They can be pulled. As long as they're not sensitized. As long as maybe they haven't got some form of. Structurally degeneration or something on them. In that case. When a tendon has become sensitized. The last thing the tendon really needs. Or rather your system wants. Is to feel compression. Okay, Put it in basic terms. You've got an irritated tendon. And you're just pushing it against the bone the whole time. Okay? It's going to stay aggravated. Now, we go back to how I opened up this presentation. If you are in the state where you've got an insertional Achilles tendinopathy. And you've been told to stretch that calf. Or you've been told to do over the edge of a step kind of heel lowers. okay, Like a weight training exercise where you're coming down slowly. But you're going over the edge of a step. Both of those could be delaying your recovery, okay? And it's a fantastic first example of three of where stretching, in the case of compressing tendons, can delay recovery. And that's why you'll end up going from one therapist to another, going through a series of maybe techniques which reduce the pain for a while, like acupuncture, like, I mean, even cross friction therapy where you get someone rubbing the hell out of your tendon um maybe just massaging the calf muscle and um, all sorts of things that therapists can do when they get their hands on you and you might walk out thinking this feels much better okay for whatever mechanism of action but how many times is it that that's actually long lasting okay how many times have you had that and actually it's solved your problem And remember, we have to be careful when we talk about what solves a problem, because if someone's rubbing the hell out of your Achilles tendon for six weeks, and eventually on the seventh week, you can run again, let's not presume that it was the rubbing of the tendon which actually solved it, okay? something's going to work, you're going to see benefits within one or two weeks, okay? Don't let people tell you otherwise, because we've always got this natural history thing, okay? You come to us, the therapist, you've already been suffering for a while, okay? So we could just... We could rub your tummy and pat your head for six weeks, and the chances are after six weeks, because of natural history, you're going to um, start feeling better anyway. Are you going to go away and say, "Oh wow, I went to Matt. He did this thing where he kind of patted—no, he patted my head and rubbed circles on my stomach in a clockwise action because that was apparently integral to the whatever." Okay. I sound a bit cynical, but it's just—I love you coming here to Studio 57. That's great, and I'm confident I'll be able to help you in most cases. But it just frustrates me that there's other therapists out there still not aware of this information. And it's nothing against them. If anything, it's a problem with the courses and the CPD, which is out there, which is just not telling basic, simple stuff like this. And there's too many courses out there which are all about what else can therapists do with their hands to reduce pain. Okay, whether it's rubbing or poking or pulling or stinging or sticking things in, and oh, it's not acupuncture, it's dry needling, or we'll give it a different name, we'll dress it up. It's not going to make you any stronger. It's not going to increase your capacity to be able to, in our case, run. Okay, just take a deep breath. Let's take a cup of tea. I promised myself I wouldn't get upset in this episode. But it just frustrates the hell out of me when I get someone going, oh, I've tried acupuncture or I've tried dry needling or I've tried this. And, and I'm like, oh, have you tried, you know, have they given you any strength training to try and increase your capacity, graduated progressive kind of loading to try and get your system back into being able to take that load through the tendon? Ah, oh, they mentioned something about it. And, and I can't always blame the therapist. That's unfair because one of the biggest problems is the therapist will say something, but then the client just walks out and either forgets about it or just thinks, wow, it's i have really got to do my exercises, you know. Um, and that I used to get frustrated with that, where I'd give perfect tendon loading exercises and I'd tell them, Don't go over the edge of the step, do your heel eccentric, but just down to flat, so we're not, you know, exposing the tendon to load. And then they'd come back and they'd show me what they were doing. They were going straight over the edge of the step, and I'm like, oh, Are you an idiot or what? I wouldn't say that's their face, but that's what I was thinking. But then that was years ago, and then suddenly I realized, Well, hold on, if a runner goes away, and they come back and they've done the wrong exercise or they haven't bothered doing the exercise because they didn't think it was important enough, well then that's my fault as a therapist. I haven't made it clear to them. I haven't checked they understand either, one, the exercise they're supposed to be doing or two, how important it is that they do it, okay? Um, So anyway, I've gone off on a tangent. Number two, other case where stretching can um, reduce recovery. Another classic, so hamstrings. The uninitiated, hopefully you know. Um, hamstrings run down the back of your leg. Okay, they run from either side of the tibia, and they come down the back of the leg, and they attach to your sitting bone. Okay, so it's that bony on either side, which is actually the it's called the of tuberosity. It's that hoop that comes down from the pelvis, um, and that's where the tendons um, of the hamstrings attach to. Similar situation to the uh, heel bone and stretching your calf. When you do Hamstring stretch, ACCA. Yeah. The classic hamstring stretch. okay. And we all do it. it. I don't know what it is. It comes naturally. If your hamstring hurts, you think it's got to be tight, I'll stretch it. okay. Or we lie down. And we get a band and we pull it back. And we do some active, isolated, Added have a few other letters in there because it sounds scientific stretching where we pull and then release and then goes further. And then all these kind of muscular... CRP stretches and stuff. Um, calm down. We do a variety of stretches um, because we believe that the issue is a stretching one. Uh, and again, I'll get runners coming to me. There is a situation called proximal uh, hamstring tendinopathy, and again, it's an insertional issue where the tendon which attaches to the sitting bone has become irritated Um, and The problem is if you stretch your hamstrings then that tendon is going to push into the sitting bone Okay, just another demo. So it attaches up to the sitting bone. If I either do this That's going to push the tendon into the sitting bone If I start doing this I'm pushing the tendon into the sitting bone if I'm doing lunges or deep squats or anything I'm going to be pushing the tendon into the sitting bone And you're not going to recover Okay, or it's going to be very slow. Unfortunately, when things are hurting, we automatically assume that my blood is boiling. I was sitting on the train today thinking, oh, I mustn't boil. I don't know what it is, I'm passionate. I can't, lock me, take me away. I can't help but being passionate about this. But anyway, um, yeah, we think that if something's hurting, then we need to stretch it. Um, Because when something hurts, we say it's tight, don't we? We say, oh, my hamstring's really tight. Even in a position where it's not being stretched, often in a position where we're loading it, we say, oh, what's the problem? Oh, that's really tight. And, and part of the job of therapists is to dispel these myths, which is why I kind of try and do some of these. But when you come to us and you say, oh, my hamstrings are tight, and I say, for example, okay, just show me I don't know, touching your toes or reaching forwards, and people will come in and they'll sit down and they'll go, I oh, know what the problem is the hamstrings are tight, and they'll go, vroom, vroom, And I'll say, oh, interesting, just kind of do it again for me, and they'll go, vroom. And I've got incredible long hamstrings. There's no problem there at all. And eventually I'll go see so your hamstrings are tight, are they? And they go, yeah, yeah, they're really tight. I going to get down here and I'm like, eventually the coin will drop. And, I'll go, and they'll go look at me and go, oh, my hamstrings aren't really tight, are they? And I'll go, thank you. Okay, now we can start recovering. Now we can start, same thing goes with calves. My calves are tight and we do a knee to, knee to wall test. And we, we just educate, you know, therapists, if you are watching, hi, Matt, how you doing? If you are watching, then educate your runners into what range of motion running actually needs. You know, show them a kneel to wall test. Show them a hamstring. Tell them that for, ha- for runners, you only need a hamstring of about 60 degrees maximum. You don't need your leg up at 90 degrees. Even if you're hurdling, you only need about 70, 80 degrees. So let's stop trying to touch our toes, runners. Let's stop trying to have floppy muscles with absolutely no tension in them at all. Anyway, so hamstring tendinopathy, proximal. If you stretch, it can aggravate it. Last one for today. How are we doing for time? Okay, 20 minutes. Last one today is a lesser known one, but it's still a cracker if you understand that by stretching it, it can aggravate it. So now we're talking about the top of the thigh bone, okay, the femur. So not your waist. You find your pelvis, okay, and then you walk down and eventually down your leg, you'll find... This lumpy bit, which will change position if you raise the knee into flexion. Um, and that's the top of your trochanter. Okay? It's a bony projection from the top of your thigh bone. And that's called the greater trochanter. And it's an area which, again, runners sometimes get severe tenderness on. In fact, it's not till they come in and a the therapist will go, what's it like when I do this, that they'll jump up in hell? Like it can get very tender. And we call it greater trochanter pain syndrome. To sound scientific, it just means a painful bump on the side of your hip. So this here again it can easily be a tendinopathy issue where the tendon um, from the glute um, can be irritated um, and it's a compression thing as well because if I cross this leg over here if I basically adduct this thigh across it pushes my femur the top of the femur the greater trochanter, into the tendon. And the problem with that is the same with the proximal hamstrings, the same with the insertion of Achilles. Um, You're aggravating the tendon every time you cross your legs. So imagine how happy your gluteal tendon is if you are given an exercise where you have to pull the knee across your midsection like this and hold it for 30 seconds or twist around that way. You may as well just stick a red hot needle into that tendon and go, get better, get better get better okay it's just going to aggravate it so once it's diagnosed once you know that it is an issue of the tendon we have to avoid adduction of the leg we've got to avoid crossing the leg over you may need to put a pillow under your legs when you sleep to avoid that leg drifting over because it's all going to put pressure on that hip on that sorry on that greater trochanter. we may need to look at your running form to check whether the pelvis is dropping down when you run because that dropping of the pelvis if your pelvis drops down that way that's going to push the tendon into the hip we definitely what we don't want to do is give you the other classic one how many videos are out there at the moment on YouTube about the runner's stretch the holy grail of all running pigeon pose, swan pose, starling pose I don't know what it's called maybe it helps in other ways but when When are you getting into this position to run? How's it gonna help you running? Okay, that's just my question. Someone who says this will help a runner, please put a comment underneath saying exactly when in the running gait cycle, I've got my leg in this external rotation. Okay, and also do this and feel how much your greater greater, greater trochanter is pushing um, um, into the tendons which are on top of it. Okay? So there we go. Three examples of where um, typical stretching exercises handed out can actually delay recovery. Have you all think about what I said? let, Let the coins drop. Okay, Matt, well, very clever, Mr. Clever Clogs. You told us that we shouldn't be stretching in these examples. Fair enough. So what should we be doing then? You told us we shouldn't be having acupuncture. No, I haven't. I haven't said that at all. What I've said is, if you find something that brings the pain down, then great—acupuncture, dry needling, because they're really different those two, um, massage, whatever it is. If you find something that actually brings the pain down, fantastic. Okay, that may pave the way for you to be able to do more of a, an exercise or a drill, which is actually going to get this issue sorted out. And when it comes to tendons, then the research is heavily weighs. Um, in the direction of heavy loading, of high-intensity loading, okay, Um, there's talk of actual the load causing, for example, in the case of a degenerated tendon to start rebuilding itself, Um, if you load it from internally it stimulates the tendon to get stronger, Um, it's also a question of your system, your whole body and nervous system getting used to loading that tendon again without, without grumbling. So essentially you're increasing that threshold of tolerance, which once you're injured and once you start annoying it, decreases. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all about loading. But it's loading in a way that does not annoy that tendon if it is a tendinopathy thing. So if, I'm, if someone comes in with a proximal hamstring tendinopathy, yeah, I need to load that tendon. Fantastic. That's the first one. But I need to load it in a way that isn't, Involving big flexion at the hip and pushing my ischial tuberosity into the tendon, so I might give them um, a bridge, for example. Okay, I'll give them an exercise which definitely doesn't involve stretching the hamstring. Same with the calf. I need to load that calf tendon, whether it's soleus or gastrocnemius, but I need to do it in a way which doesn't involve aggravating that tendon by uh, stretching the muscle, so I will make sure that they maybe even just stay up in plantar flexion, or maybe they come down eccentrically if it's the right time for the exercise, but they don't go below, they don't go over the step yet they will do eventually okay? when it's the time has come when we've increased thresholds and we've decreased sensitivity and we've seen strength gains, then there will come a time where we do need to start exposing that tendon to a little bit of compression from the bone underneath but it's got to come all in good time Right, how did I do it not getting kind of too frustrated? I don't know. Let's have a look at who's on that. John Poyton, really helpful, exactly the issue. Mistakes since a hamstring tear last year. Good, John. Well, I'm glad that um, this resonates with people. Um, and that brings me on to my next point. I've done like five of these now. Um, I enjoy doing them because it, oh, I feel I feel cleansed. I feel a lot better for getting that out. It's like therapy for me. But um, obviously, the idea of me doing this is to try and reach out to people and help. So if you could, if you feel inclined, then um, if you could share these um, on your feed or share a photo on Instagram or on Twitter or on social media, anywhere way you can. Just let people out, let people know they haven't got to tune in on Sunday morning to watch it. I understand that not all of you are working um, from 10 o'clock till five in the evening here. Um, in fact, it's only me. Look, no one else. Just little old me ready to help the people preparing for everything in the running season. Um, yeah, but you don't have to watch it live. You can always watch the replays afterwards. Um, and I shall continue to try and put you some information out there. That's it. That's everything I wanted to say. That's been about 25 minutes today. So thanks for watching. And um, do try and share this on your social media if you can, just to get more people uh, to know about it. And if you've enjoyed it, then maybe I'll see you um, next Sunday at 930 Here live from Studio 57 Click. Farewell. You're listening to Run Chat Live podcast. Putting the evidence back into running injury and performance.